This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're recapping another thrilling football game as the Bobcats won in remarkable fashion. Plus, both cross-country teams qualified for nationals, and we preview the squash and women's basketball seasons. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates football team found themselves on the Hamilton 48-yard line with less than 20 seconds remaining in the season finale, tied at 21 on senior day. Then, first-year quarterback Colton Bosselet, starting in place of an under-the-weather senior quarterback Brendan Costa, dropped back to pass. And this happened. Bosselet, with trips to his left, will drop back. He'll heave for Oliveri near the end zone. He's got it! Touchdown, Bates, with four seconds left! A legend is born at Garcelon Field. What a throw by Colton Bosselet! The bomb to Oliveri clinched a 27-21 victory for Bates as Bates' 26 seniors went out in style with their second straight win to end the season. Interim head coach Ed Argast recaps the game and the season. You obviously took over an interesting situation as the interim head coach. How has the season gone from your perspective just in terms of like big picture, this experience for you? Well, one, it was nice to see us play well in the last game, both sides of the ball, and young and old. So that was a, that was a positive. I think it's pretty obvious that we're in the middle of something good, and hopefully we can move forward from it. Certainly. Well, speaking of young and old, obviously, unfortunately, Brendan Costa couldn't play on his senior day. But how about this first year, Colton Bosley? You told me before you the staff was very high on him, and he certainly proved it, right? What were your thoughts on what he was able to do? Um, I tell you, he came out on fire. Then he got rattled a little bit, and just his maturity and, and growth showed in a matter of a quarter, you know, where he overcame the adversity and got us back on into the game and you know, completed a lot of passes and was really, really top of the line. How much time did he have to prepare to be the starter on Saturday? Well, he gets reps in practice. Yeah. Now we have a lot of quarterbacks in the program, so he's splitting reps. But towards the last half of the season, uh, he got the second most reps compared to Brandon. And so obviously he, he calls Brendan a big mentor for him. How have you seen that relationship develop? Um, I, think, I think from the the intangibles you know I think Brendan has talked him through a lot of a lot of things I'm not so sure that he's he's uh and I don't know but I wouldn't think that he would have uh, he would have tutored him in terms of mechanics and things like that but just some of the intangibles that a quarterback faces that can't realize until it's in his face and speaking of uh that intangible I mean four seconds left of Tossed towards the end zone. I mean, it was just a perfect throw. What did you see from the sideline on what he was able to do there? I mean, it was like he's going to complete this. Yeah. This is going to be a completed pass. You know, uh, it was. I mean, you kidding me? It was it emptied the stands again. So two weeks in a row, we've emptied the stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, this is a dramatic moment. And Christian Oliveri, just such electric speed. I know he was 
your original plan was to have him at running back, but it sure seems like he became quite the effective receiver throughout the year, right? Well, he's it was he's both for us. Yeah. He was both, you know. And uh and the, the the big positive that came out of Saturday was we ran the ball very well. Right. I thought. Um our, our and, and we got a lot of runs after the first hit, which was which is an indication of their effort. I was going to say, that might have been Caleb Bolden's best game as a Bobcat, the way he played, right? Yeah, he played tremendously. Yeah, for, for him, it was, uh, for anybody, it was a great, a great performance. Defensively, you guys were able to shut out the Continentals in the second half. Hamilton had a halftime lead. What do you notice from the defense in that second half that allowed him to shut down that Hamilton offense? I think they started to believe in the defensive calls and, and, and what Coach Davis was telling them. And uh, when they went out and executed that, they had a lot of success. Nolan Potter up front I was in the backfield, it seemed like, all day. He's in one of those 26 seniors. I mean, t- tell me a little bit about what you saw from, you know, him and maybe, you know, the f- all you know the other seniors. It seemed like they all came out pretty inspired. Well, we talked about before the game, this this game was for the seniors. It was from Costa, you know, who yeah. couldn't, couldn't be with us. Um, and I wanted the team to send them out the right way, and they did. And they really, really came together. They really gelled. You look at the record three and six, but it could have easily been six and three, right? I mean, this is a pretty talented team, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, we got some bad breaks, and um, hopefully, we can we can go past those next year. Just from a coaching perspective, it was you had to make some last second hires basically for assistant coaching spot. It was a smaller coaching staff than most teams have. What's it been like, just logistically, or maybe almost as a, as a coaching staff to get through this year and, 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 you know, and win these final two games. Well, it's been a challenge, but fortunately we got two great yeah. young men um, and, you know, and Andrew and, in, in, uh on offense is, is been like a, like a guy Friday for, for coach Patterson. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he does everything. Um, and then ortho on defense has just been solid. He's just, you know, he just goes out and coaches. And the kids respect him, and uh, he's you know he's not a BS guy. He's not a yeller and screamer. He's a hey, this, let's let's do it, and he goes out and does it. So we lucked out for two young kids like that to put in those kind of performances. And it says a lot for our coordinators mentoring them. So you know, I think both Coach Patterson and Coach Davis did a great job of, with what assistance what assistance they had. You know. So in terms of next steps for this program, this is obviously a big step forward, I think, this season. Um, you have a, some of those seniors coming back next year. Um, some are probably still making their decisions. But what do you see as kind of the big next steps over the offseason to get prepared for 2022? Well, we got right, right now the next step is lift and lift and eat. Eat and lift, eat and lift, eat and lift. You know, yeah. we've got to get, we've got to get uh, bigger and stronger. That's, that's the one thing. Second thing is we've got to go out and re- recruit some players. We need linemen and we need a running back, mm-hmm. you know. Um, after, after that, you know, we've got good, we're rec- right now we're recruiting for depth, mm-hmm. not, not, not for starters. So I think we're in good shape. Well, you mentioned linemen. I shout out the offensive line. I think this is probably been the best one I've seen at Bates. I've been here since 2015. They gave the quarterbacks time to throw. Um, it, it just seemed like they really came together well. No doubt. And, and it was nice to see, you know, I know Quinn got hurt, mm-hmm. which was terrible, but. Um, Cole went in and did just a good job, you know. Cole, uh, the freshman. Yeah. Uh, that's nice to see. You know, after Cole, we don't, we don't have a starter, but mm. but that's what we got to do in this recruiting class because all those kids are back. 
it seems like you have a great left tackle at Peter Simplicio. I mean, it seems like he gets yeah, he's textbook. He's, yeah. you know, he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, long arms, uh, moves his feet, and, he, and he'll hit you. You know, he'll hit you. He's not shy. And that's so important, right, protecting that quarterback's blind side? Sure. Yeah. No doubt. All right, well, any other thoughts you wanted to share that we haven't got to talk about about this season, about the Hamilton game in general, perhaps? No, it's just base, it's football. Uh, it's it's a unique place, and, and I, I, I like to think that we're going in the right direction now, and hopefully we can keep it there. All right, and our guest, thanks so much. Thank you. Colton Basile set a Bates record for passing yards in one game in the victory, throwing for 372 yards and four touchdowns. For his performance, he was named the NASCAC Offensive Player of the Week, and he is also our male Bobcat of the Week. So I started playing Pop Warner football when I was, I think, first grade. Nah, my dad was the head coach, so of course I was playing quarterback because I was the coach's son. Um, I played up until about fifth grade, and there wasn't a team for me. Uh, because and I didn't want to go play for my like my rivals Pop Warner team because I didn't like our rival at all. So I stopped playing until eighth grade when I played freshman football, and then I started playing varsity football when I was a freshman. And I was playing quarterback there. Um, so I played all four all four years, and that's pretty much how I started. And then I came here. Um, I fell in love with Coach Patterson and the and the bait in the campus and just the environment and I really wanted to play for Patterson and that's how I ended up here. So a couple years away from football when you were what 11, 12, 13 did you play any other sports at the time or was it not that at all? Yes I played I was always going I was yeah. always in the season um, so I was playing baseball in the spring summer and fall I was playing basketball in the winter and then I was also playing lacrosse in the spring so I was, I was always going from one season to the next. What made football your favorite sport, and what made you decide you wanted to return to it? Uh, so I always wanted, I always loved football. Um, I always wanted to play, but I just couldn't bring myself to playing for, <laughs> for my, for my, um, my rival. So as soon as I got the chance to play again, I was so excited about it. And I think when I started playing, I knew how, I, like I started playing again for my high school. I remember growing up going to the games and playing football on the side while the other older kids were playing on the turf field and I'm and it's I just fell in love with it I really did there's nothing like playing under the lights Friday night and that's what made me really fall in love with football you mentioned coach Patterson he's the one who kind of recruited you to Bates is that right yeah he was um talking to me on the phone um texting me DMing me on Twitter and he just really made me fall in love with the school here and realize that I that they wanted me to be here and it was really cool because I didn't have a whole lot of interest when I was getting recruited. Like, I was talking to some coaches, but nobody made me feel at home the way Coach Patterson did with Bates. Terrific. And then you come here as a first year. You know, Bates has a senior quarterback at Brendan Costa. We touched on this on Saturday, how he's basically your mentor. How has that relationship developed? Uh, so as soon as we first got here and I, was, I moved in, I remember I met Brendan. He was actually locked out of his dorm at the moment waiting for his roommate. <laughs> but I remember I started talking to him and um, – as we got into camp, I started to pick his brain. I'd go to the office with him, and he's turned into definitely somebody that I look, probably the person I look up to most here, and he's turned into one of my better friends here. I can always go to him talk about stuff that's not football-related, football-related. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. He's become one of my best friends here, and it's really nice having him around help me, helping me learn and everything. And so during practices, you, you knew he was a starter, but how did you work each week to stay prepared in case you were needed? Um, I was just... Um, 
I'd say I would take mental reps because I, I would know the play and I would go through kind of my reads in my head and I would watch what he would do on the field and if something was different, I would ask him why he did this or stuff like that and he would, we'd kind of talk about it so I'd be able to pick his brain and practice and figure out his mindset and how he attacked things. Especially helped, It helped me the most when we were talking about coverages because in high school it was pretty much just you're going to see this coverage against this formation, they're going to do this. Whereas in college, it's a lot different, and you're going to get teams that are going to line up one way and play a different coverage, and just learning about different minor details that will give it away, and seeing that in the film room has really helped me a lot. Now, your styles are a little different, though. He, he runs a little <laughs> bit more, I guess. You ran a few times, but he runs a little bit more than you improvise maybe a little bit more. Um, but your style, it seems like, You'll run when you need to, but you like to stay in that pocket if possible. I mean, yeah, the other day I didn't really have to run because my old line did a great yeah. job. I can't give them enough praise for that. They played they played probably their best game all year, in my opinion, so really grateful for them. Um, but, I mean, I, I'll run when I need to, but if I can, I like to stay behind my big boys protecting yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, they've been great all year, haven't they? The offensive line, wonderful. Yeah, we've been really fortunate with not having many injuries, and your offensive line – a really big part of them being successful is their chemistry and with them being help, healthy all year round their chemistry has improved improved every week so that's really been a key, big key to their success obviously brennan missing saturday's game because of illness when did you realize you were going to have to start <laughs> um i think it was wednesday okay. when um coach patterson told me at practice that i was going to be starting for the week and i wednesday morning we found out that brendan had gotten sick so it was kind of a debate whether, uh, well, um, yeah, I'd say it was a debate and it was a tough practice kind of fighting out for the job between the other quarterbacks and I. I mean, I think whoever played the game would have had a lot of success. I got a lot of other good quarterbacks in our quarterback room. So I was, I'm just grateful for the opportunity that I was able to play. And so what was that preparation like once you find out after Wednesday's practice that you're starting Thursday, Friday? I mean, is it is it real intense? I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before because I was excited and ready to go. But yeah. preparation in the film room, nothing really changed. I always prepare every week that I'm planning to play. So I watched watch the same amount of film. I was The only thing that I think that was different was I was in the office with Coach Patterson on Friday afternoon finalizing um, our play call sheet. I think that was really the only difference. And you had gotten experience playing earlier this year because you were thrust into the Colby game <laughs> in the second half. Those were pretty awful conditions to play quarterback, and it must be nice to have nice sunny weather on Saturday, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the nice sunny weather definitely helps, but it also helped me playing in that game so I didn't have the nerves. Yeah. And that was also Coach Patterson's idea of playing me at receiver a bit oh. during the season mm-hmm. so that if and when it was my time to play, that I would have had the game time experience being out in the field, like getting, getting hit a bit so it wasn't like a shock to my system when I was thrust in there. Yeah, well, we've all been watching the touchdown pass to Christian Oliveri on loop, I think, uh, since Saturday. Take us through that play again from start to finish. So uh, we call that vertical switch concept, and I dropped back. I was standing in the field. I didn't necessarily see anything right away. And I, um, Alec, um, AC was telling me in the locker room that he yelled, throw it to Ollie. And I, rem- I remember hearing that on the sideline, and that's what made me look to him and throw it to him. So it was it was AC it was all AC that said it and what made me look to him when I saw it in the air and I was just praying that that it was gonna get there it wasn't gonna get tipped or anything and as soon as we caught it 
I was just in shock. I was like, no way that just happened. <laughs> AC being Anthony Costa? Yes. Okay. So assist to Anthony Costa on that one a little bit? Yeah, I'll give I, I the assist to Anthony Costa. <laughs> Safety you at interception, of course, in that game for Bates. And then, you know, four touchdown passes for you. You also had to work through three interceptions. So you were throwing the ball a lot. I mean, what was that like to air it out so much? I mean, they ran the, you guys ran the ball a little bit too, but it was obviously a lot of passes. I mean, it was it was pretty fun to play, yeah. pretty fun to throw the ball, but it definitely helped that our running backs were getting it done on the ground because it, it provided balance to our offense, which we hadn't really had a whole lot of all season. Our running backs really showed up in their last game. Um, Caleb had a career day, so really proud of him. And I don't know, it's just it's just what the game plan called for. We're an air raid team, yeah. and it's just what the situation called for. Those picks, those were just not fully understanding what was going on in the game, I think misreading a couple coverages um but that that'll that'll get fixed with, fixed with experience for sure well it seems like you have a short memory also i mean it, it helps i try to i try to shake it off whenever i go to the sideline and I, I make a bad play i talk to talk to my coaches and the other quarterbacks about it what they saw so i know not to do it next time and then i put it behind me to get ready for the next drive and your four touchdown passes to four different receivers it must be cool to have all those options i mean we have probably in my opinion, the best weapons are the NESCAC. I mean, I know I can throw it up to any of them, and they're all going to come down with the ball. Sean had a great had a great catch in the corner of the end zone to really get us rolling. Marino had a great catch in the end zone. Just th- being able to throw it up to those two guys, knowing that they're, they're big frame and they're athletic and they'll go get it, it just it really helps my confidence knowing that I'm not worried about the DB going up, going up and making a play on the ball. Yeah, those guys are big targets, and the fade route with Bryant was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were repping it um, in the end of practice Thursday, so – as soon as he called the play, I was like, I knew where I was going right away. And um, it's funny, you set the Bates record for passing yards in one game. The previous record holder, that was also his first start when he did that back in 2009. So it's kind of a weird symmetry. <laughs> I did not know that. That's actually really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it mean to you to have that record? And, you know, you've you've got three more years here going, right? I mean, it, it gives me something to strive towards. Um, I, I know that I can do it. I've done it once. I know I can do it again. And I know that I lot of, left a lot of opportunities on the field with those three interceptions. Um, some, miss, some missed throws that I was um, a little off with my receivers. But that, that's just a chemistry thing that we're going to get fixed in the offseason. And I know that I have something to work towards and something to try to beat now. And it's cool to have the defense, defense supporting you so well, right? Oh, yeah. I was... I, I was kind of I was pretty nervous before the game because I knew it was a really big day for all of our seniors and the defensive guys coming up before me, come up to me before the game saying that they believed in me, they had my back. It really meant a lot knowing that if I could, I was going to go out there. I knew I was going to make some mistakes because it was my first start, and just knowing that they had my back made me a lot more con- made me a lot more confident that I could just go out and play freely and play my game. Take us through like a celebration like in the locker room and stuff after the game. Oh man, that was <laughs> that was awesome because they they had just found out that. Um, I had had the record, and yeah. they just all came up, started celebrating with me, and it was it was an amazing feeling. Awesome. Any other thoughts you wanted to share about your first year as a Bobcat and perhaps this most recent game? We have a lot of guys in their fifth year. Um, I know a lot of them have jobs lined up, but for those that don't, it would be real awesome to have them back. Like I know Sean Bryant said he's coming back, yep. and he's really excited, and that's a big piece of the offense that we're going to have. But there's a lot, of, a lot of other big pieces on both sides of the ball that if we can get them back, we can – have a real run at turning some heads this next season. Sounds good. Colin Bosley, Male Bobcat of the Week and the NESCAC Offensive Player of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. The cross-country teams are returning to the NCAA Championships. Both the women and men qualified for the third straight season, with the women finishing third out of 30 teams at the NCAA East Regional Championships last Saturday. 
and the men finishing fourth out of 33 teams. For the women, junior Jill Richardson placed fourth among 221 individuals to lead six Bobcats who earned NCAA All-East Region honors for a top 35 individual finish. Senior captain Tara Ellard finished 10th and once again played the key role of pacing the Bobcat pack. And Tara Ellard is our female Bobcat of the week. Tell me a little bit about the race in general. How did it go from your perspective? It went really well. We went into it knowing that we were going to be at the front end of this race, and so we had that mentality kind of starting out of the gates. Um, but it went really well. We all raced exactly the way we were supposed to race, and even better in some cases. So it was really exciting to see us kind of perform the way that we had wanted and the way that we expected. Well, Coach Jay has mentioned to me that you are an expert at helping set the pace for the team. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's a lot to do with just feels, and especially in a race like this, times aren't necessarily as important as placement. Um, so it has a lot to do with just like not following the pack out straight away, coming back together when we have to go into the trails, into the woods. And so, you know, setting the pace out in front of just, you know, not going out too fast, being calm in the beginning, knowing that it's okay to have people in front of you and it's okay to like move up during the race is kind of what I like to focus on. Right, guys, I imagine there's a temptation because, especially in big meets, there's a temptation to go out too quickly probably, right? Definitely, especially when you have those top girls kind of sprinting out of the gates to make sure that they don't get stuck behind other people. It's, it's hard not to go with them, and especially if you're like hoping to do well and hoping to be in the front, you want to be up there with them right away. Uh, but I think it's important in these kind of races to be the ones who are chasing people down, not being chased down. So we, we have a mentality of trying to be the chasers. So going back to nationals, you're very familiar with this course in Louisville. What, what do you remember from your, uh, I guess, what, sophomore year there, right? Yeah, I ran it my sophomore year. We had some really difficult weather. It was very muddy, very right. rainy when we went, um, which has actually been the case in our past two races we ran this season have been also those kind of conditions. So it's something that we're definitely prepared for this year if that's what we end up facing down in uh, Kentucky. But it was a good course. It's very flat. There's a few hills, which we can, we can do easily after our training at Pineland. Um, and it'll be exciting to kind of see what we can do on a, a really fast course. This past weekend was also very muddy. It was very muddy, yeah. yes. It, it poured on Friday, uh -huh. um, and then we raced the second race on Saturday, so it got torn up by the, the men a little bit. Um, but it wasn't nearly as bad as our race at, uh, in Connecticut at Nezcacs. There were some slippery corners, but it wasn't too bad. So you're going after the men's race, so it being torn up, how does that change things at all? It definitely gets a little bit tricky with footing. Um, a lot of people lose shoes when it gets really yeah. muddy. Um, just things about like taking hills not too quickly like, on the downhills because you don't want to slip. Uh, there's just some like things that you have to think about mentally when you're kind of running a course that's a little bit slippery. So we've had a lot of women's cross-country runners on this year. Um, some first years and sophomores got some chances at some meets as well. As a senior captain, it must be pretty cool to see what they're able to do also. Yeah, it's been really exciting. We've had some uh, pretty standout uh, seasons from underclassmen as well as some unexpected you know, seasons from upperclassmen. So it's been fun to kind of see what, what our top seven turned into by the end of the season. Um, and it'll be extremely exciting to see what they do in like a big meet like nationals. For you personally, 10th place, right? That's pretty cool. I mean, out of what, 200 plus runners. So, I mean from your for your personal race perspective that must be pretty satisfying <laughs> yeah it was great I, I i wasn't expecting to do that well going in um but we jay had talked to us beforehand about how we need to go into the race with the mentality that we were you know up there with the with the top runners and so going into the race i i definitely didn't expect to pace that high but i'm happy i did <laughs> and then third as a team is that about what you kind of thinking beforehand or were you thinking higher that well that was our goal was yeah. uh, you know we knew that uh, MIT and Tufts were going to have really strong teams. Obviously, we had Tufts in mind to kind of track down, but they ended up doing extremely well. Um, and same with MIT, but there were some other teams that we had in mind of just like keeping an eye on to make sure that we were ahead of them, and we did end up beating them, so we were happy with that. 
But going to Nationals, are there kind of goals in mind in terms of where you, the team thinks you, you all can place, perhaps? Yeah, we haven't talked about it too much. We're not really a team that focuses on national rankings throughout the season. Right. Um, but I know we're, we're pretty ranked, you know, about halfway through the pack right now um, in terms of teams going there. And I know that, you know, my sophomore year we placed 14th. So right. I, I, I think that's a good number to have in mind sure. and hopefully to even try to get higher than that. I think that was the best showing ever for the women at Nationals was your sophomore year. It was, yeah, yeah which was super exciting. And that race we had done um, a lot better than we had been ranked. So that was a super fun race to run, um, an exciting outcome. And so hopefully we can keep that in mind as we go into this race. And obviously you're focused on nationals right now, but track season is coming up after that, right? How, how excited do you get back on this indoor track here at Merrill? It, yeah, it's super exciting. We, um, we've had a couple indoor track workouts at this point. Okay, yeah. And so it's been fun to kind of transition, even though we're still running cross country races, a lot of our team is in their, their track season at this point. So we've been having some fun kind of doing some track workouts and getting some speed in for some faster races in the winter. Yeah, so, yeah, because I've talked with some of the, well, Curtis Johnson for the men's side mentioned, you know, and I think one of the play, uh, one of the runners mentioned the haze in the barn in terms of cross-country uh, training. Does that, you feel that way for the women also? It's kind of more into track training almost at this point because you, you have trained what you can for cross-country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not really doing any work right now that's, you know, building. We're just yeah. mostly maintaining and kind of tapering for these bigger meets. Mm -hmm. um, but our eyes are definitely forward to the track season at this point um, in terms of training because, as you said, we've done the mileage we can yeah. for cross-country. There's not much more we can do there. So what's the standard uh, practice session now this week leading up to nationals? Mm -hmm. We, we're doing mostly the same stuff that we had done all season. Um, we're going to have workouts like normal, lifting like normal. Um, we're just taking down the intensity a bit and then also like our mileage a bit so that we're, we're definitely rested coming into the weekend, but we're just keeping everything as normal as possible. How cool is it to have both teams, women and men, going to NCAAs yet again? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's even more fun when we can have them there with us. Um, and we've every year that I've been there, they've yeah. been there with us too. So, as for me, it's it's expected that we both go, and that's, right. that's the way it should be. But I think that they're equally as excited as we are to be going. Any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past regional meet, or perhaps what you're most looking forward to with NCAA's here? Oh, I think that the most th the thing I'm looking forward to for NCAA's is just seeing what our team can do out there. I mean, it's, it's more of a, a celebration at this point. We're just excited to have made it. So we're going to go out there. We're going to run our best race, and hopefully our team places where we want to be. All right, Senior Captain Tara Ellard, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Senior Captain Jackson Donahue finished eighth out of 238 runners to lead the Bates men for the sixth time in six races this season, helping to send the men's team to their 10th NCAA championship in team history. Head coach Curtis Johnson has guided the Bobcats through some tricky terrain in his first year at the helm of the program, and he joins the Bobcats to recap regionals and look forward to nationals. I'll start by saying this was our first time contesting the East Regional Championship. Um, formerly, we competed in the New England region, and we were used to how the at-large bids and automatic qualifiers worked there. So we went into this knowing that we didn't have prior evidence of what it would take to qualify. Was it top two, uh, top three, top four? We had no idea. So um, obviously the outcome worked out. You know, I still look back and think, holy man, they gave, they gave some real justice because you, you never really knew. But yes, this was an amaz amazing and crazy regional championship where we saw surprises, but we also saw some of our grittiest races all season. So um, fourth place, a very close fourth place. Um, right behind Tufts in a, in a race that did not go perfect for us. And so that not only excites us knowing that we were, you know, we're able to go to the national championship, but we're still itching for our big race. And, and what better way and what better place to have it than the NCAA championship? 
Yeah, I know speaking to some of the guys, they're really trying to catch Tufts, catch Colby. Yeah, I mean, this is NESCAC. That's why we do it. You know, we know uh, just competing in our regular season, once we're up against our conference foes, um, you know it's going to take a lot. It's going to take that NCAA-level competition. And so uh, I'm really excited that we did have a few opportunities to see what it's like to stack up against some of the best in the nation and show ourselves that we are uh, one of the best. And so going into this national championship, we really have our eyes set on uh, trying to put together that, that spectacular performance that we know we have in us. And um, yeah, just like you said, you know, teams like Tufts, Colby, those are teams we've raced a couple times this year. Um, and we've actually got a few wins on them as well throughout the season. So we know we can pull something great together going forward. Is this a return to Louisville for some of the older guys on the team? Yeah, it absolutely is. So this is uh, that's that's something that will be very exciting. We have a couple of our uh, upperclassmen who really are not only excited to punch their ticket to nationals, but they want redemption. Um, getting to nationals is such a huge feat and something we're incredibly proud of. Uh, but the outcome in 2019 wasn't exactly what we panned out. Uh, so I know a few of those upperclassmen, Jackson Donahue, Eli Bosch Dining, those are guys who are returning to the NCAA stage, and they know that sour taste that, uh, that was left when they didn't perform as well as they wanted to. So a lot of new people with their first taste of the big dance, but a lot of people looking to say, hey, we're better than we've got to show in 2019. This is kind of a basic question, but for a runner, if you're not performing the way you want to, what are the factors that can lead into that in cross country? Like in other sports, like in baseball, they, you know, someone's not seeing the ball well that day. What about for cross country? Yeah, you know, there's so many different factors. Uh, the field size is slightly different every race. The course is different every time around. Weather is always a factor. Um, are you sick this week? Are you, are you amazing? Did you slip up the hill or not? You know, there's so many little factors. Uh, but we, we told ourselves going into the regional championships, we didn't want too many what ifs. We didn't want any. What if this happened? What if this perfect race happened? We just knew that whoever was up and going was going to give their best. So uh, there's a million ways you can put together a, a race. But if you have a consistent group, uh, nobody has to be perfect on the same day. We just have to be everybody locked in. And I think we did that really well this weekend. So what's the training like between right now, we're talking on Monday, until Saturday when you're racing there in Kentucky? Yeah, so, you know, the work is done. The, you know, the hay is in the barn. Yeah. Uh, we really just want to feel good, uh, fine-tune, and make sure everything feels smooth around the, around the track and, um, and get there safely, soundly, and with good energy. You know, uh, we, we work all season to get to this point, and honestly, getting to the NCAA championship, it has not, nothing to do with this last week and everything to do with the last few months and, and years for a lot of people. So... Uh, we're bringing good energy. We want, we want the full team cross country and track and field to really rally around how amazing it is to return a cross country season one and then two, make it this far. Um, so the work is definitely done and now we get to give back to ourselves a little bit. And it's very exciting to have both the men and the women going to nationals, right? Oh yeah, the, this, is, this is why we do it. You know, we get to see the women's squad working incredibly hard day in and day in out. Um, and they've been phenomenal. You know, the, the ranking reflects it, but their, their work ethic is just through the roof. So B 
being able to accompany them, um, I really felt they were going to be a sure lock. They've just been such a unit all year. Um, it feels really good to have both teams travel together. Uh, it makes those dinner experiences better. It makes the memories better. Um, but it really shows like what Bates is about. You know, we're not a we're not just a solid men's team or solid women's team. Uh, we have a lot of great history, and the legacy is continuing for sure. We spoke before how obviously definitely not your first year at Bates. You've been here for as long as I have, but um, first year as head coach. Yeah. Um, any surprises? Oh my God! Come on! Don't even like you know. There's this is a college experience, not just, you know, the athletic experience. Yeah. So no, no one week is this, no yeah. two weeks are the same. Um, we're building team and character, but we're also building, you know, life moments each week. So definitely some surprises. I was speaking with one of our upperclassmen today, actually, and he said, this has been the craziest year ever. We've, so getting to this point feels even better because we haven't had a perfect, flawless season. We really have had ups and downs and, and surprises along the way, as you can imagine. Um, but that's what makes this trip that much more special. You know, we're going to be in Kentucky and look at, look at the guys and they'll look at each other and know, man, we really, we really pulled it together, huh? So uh, incredibly thankful to be uh, leading the charge. This is only the 10th time a Bates has sent, uh, the Bates men sent a team. And if you consider our history and, uh, you know, the teams we've had in the past, that says a lot, you know, so... Very pumped, honored to be here, uh, working with Coach Ellis, who does such an amazing job with that distance crew. And um, he has been incredible with making sure these guys are fit and ready to go. Um, but now we start to really reflect on why we do everything, why we work so hard. And uh, we're going to see if that can show up in Kentucky. The men's basketball team split a pair of games to start its season, winning a thrilling contest against St. Joseph's Monday night on a buzzer beater from junior captain Stefan Baxter. We'll catch up with Baxter on a future episode, but for now, it's time to preview the women's basketball season. If you're listening on Tuesday, the Bates women's basketball team tips off their campaign tonight at 7 p.m. against UMaine Farmington. Head coach Allison Montgomery previews a promising year for Bates. It's a lot of returnees. It's the most experience you've had. I mean, you must be very excited for the opener here Tuesday. Yeah, very excited. I think, um, yeah, since, you know, my time here, this is our first year where we're really stepping into a year where we are really uh, veteran heavy. Um, you know, we have nine upperclassmen and juniors and seniors, and I've coached many teams here. We've had one or two seniors. So it really makes a huge difference. Um, that leadership makes a huge difference. And just women who've kind of been there before, who've been in the program for, you know, now their fourth year, um, you know, their third and fourth year, it just makes a huge difference. And I think we're especially sort of lucky to be going into a year like this, where we're coming off a year off um and we're, you know we're stepping back into the competitive season it's been it's been really nice to have an upper class group lead us through that so yeah expecting um expecting that that veteran leadership is going to show this year and then megan graf led the nescac in scoring two years ago but you almost hope she doesn't lead the nescac in scoring this year right yeah yeah i think you know we are going to have a, a deeper more dynamic team um in the past we've been pretty guard heavy relied on our guards to put the ball in the in the bucket. And I think this year we're going to just have lots of different options. Um, I think, which is obviously better for us, um, more challenging for the squads trying to defend and beat us. So I think, you know, Meg would be at the top of the list of sharing in her excitement for kind of sharing that load and having a more balanced, more dynamic squad. You know, she is such a competitor and she's going to continue to make her mark, um, on the court and, you know, in conference play, um, but I think, you know, she is super excited to, um, 
to, to share that um, with, with some more um, dynamic teammates and just a deeper team. Introduce us to some of the sophomores who got to play a grand total of two games last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's we're so grateful for those two games, even though it was the shortest season that anyone would have imagined. Um, but, yeah, I think a great opportunity because we were um, missing some of our returners and upperclassmen who chose to take the year off or you know, had injury. And so um, they had an opportunity to play um, a lot of minutes in those games. So I think that, you know, that little bit of experience will certainly help them. It's helped them, I think, already just in preparing for what's coming. Um, and, yeah, we have we have a great um, sophomore squad, um, Morgan and Allison Kennedy, um, twin sisters from Oklahoma who bring a ton with their just IQ, their skill level, um, and just their, you know, their, they're super competitive. Um, and so they're going to bring a lot. Um, and we have um, Delaney Wachku, who's a – Post, who is, has been practicing great, um, and Davina Kamantu, who um, is a point guard for us. So all just really all bring things in, on both ends of the court um, and I think are going to certainly make their mark this year. And then in the post, because you have a lot of really good guards, but you also have a lot yeah. of very good yeah. post players. Starting kind of, I mean, at the four, Ariana Dahlia, who we've talked with her about how in high school she was just asked to play defense. She comes yeah. here and you tell her, you need to score, and she has been scoring, right? Yeah, man, that woman is just, she is a nightmare um, to guard and to when you have to play against her. We've talked a lot about that as a coaching staff with this extended time we've had to practice this year, which has been incredible. Um, we've loved it as coaches. I think the players have liked it. Um, they probably are way more ready for a game than even we are, but... Um, yeah, her motor is, is just wild. Like that woman could play for days and, and seem that seemingly never be tired. Um, she's a relentless rebounder, um, competitor and yeah, she has continued to develop as a force offensively, um, as well as what she brings defensively. And, you know, you'd never know that she's a quote undersized, um, (laughs) post player, um, because she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And then on, on the defensive side, um, Taylor McVeigh, um, she's one of the players who took a leave yes and so she's having a, a senior year now uh so probably i mean I guess the most years in the program right yeah, sort of, yeah yeah she's our super senior um <laughs> even though yeah that year was a year off or i'm calling her our fifth year yeah. um yeah and she just brings i mean it's it's really neat to have women on our in our um on our squad who have sort of lived through the phases of our program as we've um as we've continued to develop and to be more competitive and she's at the top of the list of just someone who's um been pushing our program forward in every way on and off the court and so really excited to have her back um this year as a senior um to continue to pull us to the next level and and uh yeah she'll currently she'll be out here for the start of our games with an injury but she'll be back soon um yeah just just couldn't be more thrilled to have her leadership this year and another player provides provides a real spark and a nonstop motor, and maybe not maybe not quite similar to Julia Middlebrook, maybe yeah, adjacent yeah, yeah. is Mia Roy, right? <laughs> yeah, similar type of energy, <laughs> just um, yeah, really relentless motor. Um, yeah, she's just been so committed to our program in every way, prepares herself um, every day to just be be in the best place possible to give everything to our team. Um, her game really lends itself to like an up tempo. Um, up-tempo kind of game. So, you know, we're going to be doing that um, on both ends this year for sure. We've talked a ton about transition offensively and also defensive pressure. Um, So I'm excited to just continue to see her 
game um, evolve and and her have the ability to impact even more given sort of that tempo that we'll be playing. Yeah, I wanted to mention that since you have so much depth now, yeah. finally, right? Yeah, yeah. You get to play a, maybe a more pressured defense and mm-hmm. force turnovers perhaps in the backcourt. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, we've – We've had that ability, but like to your point, it's you got to have the depth too. Because when you have people playing a lot of minutes, and certainly um, when you get into conference and you're playing back-to-back games, like that can be a factor. So um, yeah, and I, you know, you always take a little bit of a risk when you play a game. You know that that type, that style. Like you know, does it lend itself to sort of more fouls or turnovers? You know, our goal is obviously, hopefully not, but it is a risk that you take. So. Um, yeah, I think depth allows us that ability to play with that a little bit, and we're really excited to sort of um, make that our brand of basketball this year. Scott, yeah, looking at the landscape of the NESCAC, I mean, we've had a year away, basically, but yeah. the top three have traditionally been, you know, Amherst, Tufts, Bowdoin, yeah. Middlebury, and Williams sometimes gets gets in there, but Bates has beaten both those teams. Yeah. And so Bates, I mean, you're, you're getting closer to where you can be maybe hoping to host a NESCAC tournament game, perhaps, right? Yeah, we're uh, yeah we have high expectations yeah. this year. It's just what I'll kind of say about that. Like <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we have really high expectations. I think everyone on our squad has the confidence and the mentality of you know taking this year on by really having no limitations. I think um, we're over any sort of you know just just because of some of the experiences we've had, but also the depth and level ability and just the preparations I think that we've taken have really lended itself to give us the confidence to feel like um, we would love to make our mark this year in terms of being a real um, a real contender in the conference. Well, any other thoughts you want to share on the upcoming season we haven't got to talk about yet? Um, yeah, I just think just couldn't be more excited to be to compete. I think um, we're walking that line of um, getting back in the grind of it, but trying to maintain that perspective of what an opportunity we have. Um, I think perspective can be one of the harder things to, to just maintain once, you know, life gets going again. Um, but yeah, we've, we've had, we have really daily reminders in our program with our values where we literally, literally have daily reminders, um, that our team takes turns doing, um, to try to keep us really focused in the moment, um, and just valuing each day that we have together an opportunity to compete because last year certainly taught us um, that can sort of change at any minute and, um, you know, that continues to be that way. So, um, yeah, we're just, I think perspective is a big theme for us. All right, Alison Montgomery, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. The squash teams get their seasons underway Saturday at the University of Pennsylvania, where a couple of Ivy League teams await them. Head coach Rye Herget is not afraid to challenge his young squads. Squash is back this weekend. We got Rye Herget with us here on the Bobcast. And Rye, um, first of all, right away, challenging your uh, women's and men's players, a couple Ivy League opponents this weekend. What are you looking to see from the Bobcats in their return to competition here? Um, yeah, it's a, no, it's a very exciting new phase for, for the Bates uh, squash program. Um, I believe it's, you know, one of the first – the first seasons where we have uh, three Ivies on our, on our schedule. Uh, so really trying to show pretty much a whole new roster or at least half a new roster for, for both the men and the women's team, what it's like to compete against the best that college squash has. Um, so immediately um, this is something, something random that, that actually came up at the beginning of the year, which doesn't often happen is a Ron Robin at UPenn. Um, and the fact that it's so early on in the season was the perfect opportunity for, for players who haven't really competed since last February. So, you know, it's, it's, 
it's what 19 months um since since february march um so it's been a long time since since we actually you know played a competitive match um so immediately throwing him throwing both teams in to the fire um and um hopefully that will you know only have a positive effect as we as we move on um to Bowden and Tufts a week later terrific and then tell us about both the teams so uh, there's some familiar names among the upperclassmen for women and men I know obviously you know for the women Katie Montanak is back Erica Parker obviously is a is a big name she had a great debut a couple of years ago but who are some of the headliners for the women's squad and also for the men as well yeah, so for the women's team, uh, there's only five players are remaining from the last match that they played. Right. Um, and as you mentioned, um, Erica Parker, um, she was Rookie of the Year um, uh, for her only season. Yeah. Um, since, yeah, since uh, last season, we couldn't play a single match. Um, but very excited about um, the 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 sophomore players who obviously have have been on campus for a very long time and have not played a single college match so playing number one uh, on the women's team is 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 a player from mexico andrea martagon um who very excited to see her finally play her first college match um freshman race clarity from Philadelphia will be making her college, uh, her playing her, her, her first college match um, in her home city with her, with her, you know, family and friends watching her, which, which will be very special. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, excited to see everybody, you know, back on court again. I think everybody's, you know, we've been, been looking forward to this weekend for a very long time. I remember, um, you know, last year, March, um, uh, or at least this past March, where we were, we couldn't actually play or compete. You know, we kept on writing, okay, we were competing in seven months, we're competing in six months. Um, so it's been a long time coming, and something that um, that I'm very excited to see how players actually react and how players actually, um, you know bring their a game because like i said it's been a very long time since anybody's really competed um so just overly excited to not just to see the new players who have come in but to see the old players kind of show their experience and show how hungry they are to actually be back on court again so we heard some of the headlines for the women how about the men's side who are you looking forward to seeing back out there well, the men's team also, we have, we only have three players. So that's even, you know, so the whole men's team is pretty much a completely new team. We only have the couple of seniors, Jesper Phillips and Peter Konigsbauer and Sultan Hashmi, who played the last match against Navy last uh, February. Um, so there'll be, you know, seven, seven new players um, uh, coming in, uh, we had a great recruiting class last year. Um, uh, and, you know, they're, they're, like I said, they'll be, you know, being thrown straight into the fire this weekend, um, playing their first college match against Cornell. Um, you know, players like Alex Spiro uh, from Portland, Oregon, Harris Ramley from Malaysia, will be playing number two and three, respectively. Um, they're going to have their hands full, but excited to see them um, compete at a high level. 
um, because they are definitely capable of competing against anybody in college squash. So we're just excited to see them, you know, really bring it. Um, and then at the bottom of the ladder or near the bottom, um, players like Labib Ali, who's, who's a freshman, um, exciting player. Um, and then, you know, we have the experience of, of players like Sultan Hashmi and, um, you know, sophomores like Carrot Weinberg, Matthew Laser, um, guys who have been on campus for, for a year and a half and, and have, have not had the opportunity to actually play a match. So, yeah, again, just really excited to finally get on court again. Well, yeah, I was going to say Jesper Phillips was second team on NESCAC a couple of years ago. So he's moving into that number one spot now, it sounds like. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was, if we had a season last year, he would have been playing number one last year as well. Right. So he's been, you know, consistently keeping up his level, even though um, we haven't really competed. Um, so excited also to, to see, you know, what he can bring playing number one think this will be the first the first match that he that he plays plays one in college um so excited to see um how how he handles the best of the best excellent and then you know in terms of training in general it sounds like you're you're a busy man this week on court with uh, the players how's that going yeah, it's always great. You know, it's, 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 you know, coaching uh, college squash. Um, you can't really compare it to any other sports um, because it's such a, it's a, it's a team sport, but at the same time, you have to, you have to coach each player based on their own strengths, strengths and weaknesses. So it's a difficult thing to balance out, you know, when, when we have practices as a team, you know, you try to focus on, on specific things that everybody can work on and focus on. But at the same time, it's important to, to get on court with each player for 30, 45 minutes, uh, you know, once maybe a second time per week to really iron out specific things that, that, that player is struggling with or needs, needs work on. So, um, yeah, for the past couple of weeks, that's, that's been my kind of weekly schedule is, is getting on court with the players in the morning um, and then practices, you know, in the, the evenings running up, up until 8.30 p.m. So, yes, it's been, uh, it's been a long season already. But, um, yeah, like I said, just so excited to finally, finally see them, see their hard work pay off because it's been, it's been, it's been, a very special season so far, special semester so far, seeing how hard they've been working on court, off court, um, that, you know, for such a new team, so many new players, the, the team chemistry is off the charts. Um, you know, both the men and the women's captains have done a fantastic job of, um, of you know, pulling, pulling, a, pulling a pretty much a brand new roster all together. And and bringing that that team chemistry and team bonding um, up to a level that that you know is not comparable to last year or the year year before that. So, you know, again, I'm just I'm just very excited to see how how they compete and 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 see them really fight for each other, which is just which is which is ultimately what college squash is about because you're on court by yourself, but 
if you play for yourself, it's easy to say, hey, I'm exhausted or this player is better than me. I'm done. It's very easy. But if you have a reason to play for your your best friend that's 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 on court next to you or the five girls that are that are yelling your name, supporting you, um, that's that's really what what gets players motivated and gives them that that extra edge and what what makes college squash so, so special um if you compare it to any squash um being played around the world including pro squash so college squash in that sense is very special that yes you're playing for yourself to some extent but but the big picture you're not you're playing for for the people that are on your team that you've been working really hard with it for a number of weeks um so yeah just yeah again i can't keep I can't keep saying how excited I am, but yes, I am very excited. <laughs> well, you touched on the captains and their leadership. Who are your captains and why, why have they earned that title? Well, you know, there's a combination of factors. Um, the men's captains, as I said, is Jesper Phillips and Peter Konigsbauer, both seniors, both great leaders. Um, they set fantastic examples, and that's pretty much what, what I look for in captains. Uh, you know, I don't... I don't ultimately make the final decision as to who's captain. The whole team votes. And um, so there's no bias. You know, there's, I, I don't believe in that kind of system. Um, so they set the example last year. They're setting it again this year and everybody's following. Um, so it's been great to see them really, you know, um, become leaders. And, you know, in some sense, get out of their own comfort zones and, um, and really, you know, just become better human beings at the same time. Because if you are a leader, you know, there are going to be moments where you're not quite, you don't want to have this meeting, but you have to because you're a leader and you're, you are the captain. Um, so to kind of see them, see them get out of their own little boxes and, and lead by example has been phenomenal. Um, and on the women's team, uh, we actually have um, one super senior, uh, Katie, um, who will be leaving us um, this semester. Unfortunately, she will be missed. Um, she is she'll be captain this semester. Um, and then we have a couple, uh, one more senior captain, Natalie Bachman, mm-hmm. um, and one junior captain, Erica Parker. Um, and I think you know the same. The same applies there. Is is the fact that it's been two seniors and one junior. It's not something that I necessarily would like to actually name a junior as a captain, um, just because I I believe that that captain should earn their spot. They should earn um, the amount of work that they've put, put in and um, just kind of, you know, continue to, to use their experience and lead by example. But um it's, I think that's that's really made, made a big a big uh, contribution to the women's team chemistry is having somebody who's not a senior, you know, be able to, to connect to the sophomores and the freshmen a little bit easier. And again, just showing, you know, showing them what, what type of work ethic is needed um, if we want to compete at that high level. All right, Ryan Hergut, I'll let you get back on the court. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast and previewing the squash season. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Aaron.
This week on the Bobcast, we're recapping a pair of fall sports. We start with volleyball and head coach Emily Hayes. Bates went 7-16 overall and won a pair of NESCAC matches. Hayes reflects on her first year at the helm of the program. It was awesome. A ton of potential on this team and this program. We obviously had you know, some struggles and some growing pains this year, but it, it was made clear um, near the end of the season there how high our ceiling is as a program, and uh, the culture is building, and it's really, really exciting. I was going to say, your last match of the year was against eventual NESCAC champion Bowden, and you took him to five. It was quite the battle, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, um, you know, it came down to some mental toughness there at the end. I think that skill-wise we were putting up a fight, and, um, you know, we've had that talent all season in pieces, but it was just about putting it together and instilling some belief. I think at the end of that match, uh, Bowden believed more that they were going to win, and they're an incredibly talented and well-coached team. Um, Aaron has created something really special there, and so uh, it's very cool to see them along with Wesleyan, Middlebury, and Tufts um, competing in the NCAA tournament, and uh, that that we can fight with any of them, and um, we've just got to keep building and stay disciplined. You mentioned before how you came from across the country on the Pacific Northwest. So, NESCAC volleyball versus what you saw previously, what were the similarities, differences? Yeah, uh, some style of play differences just from, um, you know, different regions of the country play different volleyball. And so, uh, this was a little more offensive-minded and um, maybe a higher game at, at the, you know, grunt of it. But um, but it was cool. It was a cool transition, um, you know, uh the West region, just a small shout to them. They don't get as much recognition as, as they should on the national stage a lot of the time. But um, it was really, really cool to be involved, again, in a conference with coaches and women, um, you know, leaders who are so strong and uh, such a good example for uh, building and maintaining a program. This was a young team. You had a few seniors, but not very many. So what's it looking like? Um, you know, what are you looking for with a team to work on? You know, when they practice, uh, when they work on the, the game themselves over the off season into next year, perhaps. Yeah, we're going to be a young team again um, yeah. next year, but it's going to be great and a little bit more uh, foundation under our belts. It'll be a lot of maintaining. Again, culture is huge for us, and we talk about putting marbles in each other's jars day in and day out. The off season is when Division three teams. Um, either take the next step forward or take a step back and uh you know that's one of the coolest parts about the philosophy is that this doesn't come down to your coach micromanaging every step of the way it comes down to you as a team being bought in um and intrinsically motivated to take the steps needed throughout the off season uh, in preparation for the fall one of the first years who really shined this year was Alyssa Lowther, a middle hitter. Uh, it seems like you're set there for the next few years, huh? <laughs> Definitely. Well, and the cool thing about Alyssa, um, along with some other players, is she's very, very versatile. And so, uh, you know, she was needed in the middle for us there with, with regards to her block. But we'd love to start seeing her out on the pin uh, a little bit, and, um, you know, as well as in the middle there. But uh, she does a lot of great stuff and um, really excited to see her grow. And then I understand you're excited for the recruiting class coming in next year, right? Definitely. Yeah, we've got some um, talented players coming in, but some people who are really bought into uh, taking the next step forward in this program and towards the NESCAC championship. So you said this was your first year, 
how do you kind of approach recruiting, you know, because you didn't have much time actually coming in. So how did you go about doing that sort of to get these uh, recruits from all over the country? Just a lot of work uh, and being really intentional with getting to know the student. Um, this year was interesting with not being able to see them play in person. Mm-hmm. And um, so really having the, the important conversations with them, understanding what they're looking for in their transformational four years of college, um, and also having conversations with their club coaches and, and things like that. And um, just understanding who they are as a, as a holistic person because they're going to be a huge part in driving this program forward. Tell us a little bit about the senior class that's graduated. As we mentioned before, it's kind of a small class, but obviously impactful, you know, led by Cindy Phillips with all she was able to do, right? Definitely. Well, Sid and Meg, I think, both led our team um, in completely different ways, Uh, very different people and different styles of leadership. And I hope that, you know, I was able to um, empower them, even in small ways, to uh, find their voice a little bit more uh, because they have good things to say. And, and, um, you know, Meg is a huge leader by example. Uh, She is a very calm force, which is great in the back row. Um, They often say the best bros are the the ones who you don't even notice are there. And... um, and that was her you know she made her job look easy a lot of the time and uh didn't want any of the credit but she deserves it she did a great job back there um Sid obviously a ton of offensive power uh which I would have gotten a little more time you know to to work with her but um but brought a lot of fire and um I I think that she's inspired some younger players to want to step into that role and um you know, kind of keep that going when she graduates. Was there anything that took you by surprise this being your first year? Anything that you maybe had to adjust to? The NESCAC schedule is interesting. Um, it was nice to have a lot of uh, out-of-conference play to be able to, um, you know, in the future develop, uh, raise our strength of schedule that way. And, um, you know, the, the conference is a very strong one, and it, it brings a lot of different strengths. I think a lot of us coaches in the NESCAC have uh, – you know, different philosophies and that's clear to see but really cool because uh, as you're moving towards that goal of competing in November in the NCAA tournament you're going to see all those different styles and so um, it was it was unique to be able to kind of understand what they bring and how we're going to be uh, unique as Bates Volleyball. Great well any other thoughts you want to share about your first year here as a Bobcat? Just really excited to not be in uh in my first three months anymore and um, get feet on the ground a little bit more. This is a great group of young women and, um, you know, thankful to uh, Coach Strand for for building that team and excited to continue to build a a legacy and a culture of excellence. Um, It's going to be a lot of work, but we're excited to to do that. Women's soccer head coach Joe Verry took over the program in 2019. And like all fall sports at Bates, the Bobcats did not get a season in 2020. 2021 saw significant improvement for the women's soccer team as they went 4-9-2 overall and picked up a pair of NESCAC wins, including a dominating 4-1 win over Colby in the season finale at Garcelon Field. That match was was a good one. It was a good culmination for the end of the year, and um, it, it's always special playing underneath the lights there in Garcelon. And, uh, typical main fashion is wet and windy and cold. Um, but it was uh, it, it was a great end of the season because it uh, all the topics and ideas and things that we were focusing on uh, tactically as a team and, and coming together as a group all all showed up in that game. You know, it's also super special to to beat that team from North uh, mm-hmm. in that aspect of things too. And uh, and it was just a, a good little cap to the end of the season there for us. We were talking, it's a young team, only four seniors are graduating, but tell, talk about those four seniors and what they meant. Yeah, uh, so uh, uh, Kat Knuckles, Annie Doig, Sophie Matt, Lauren Bearby, um, 
you know, been four really good seniors that, uh, you know, I've obviously had the opportunity to work with all the years that I've been here. And, um, you know, they've, um, they, they've really kind of seen the full transition um, and, and has really kind of brought things a long way for us. And uh, so we're, we're really happy with the way that they kind of jumped on board and, and were able to help us develop. Um, and so they're, um, you know, not only, you know, super bright young women and, and just really great human beings, but, you know, they've, uh, they've made a pretty big impact on the program as well. And going back to looking at the season, you got your first NASCAR victory at Trinity. <laughs> that must have felt nice, right? Yeah, that one, uh, <laughs> that one felt real, real good. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a couple of years coming and, um, and it was, um, it was nice to, to kind of get that one off of the shoulders. Um, and, uh, that one, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like we played particularly well as in the soccer sense of things, but we really just battled as a whole group and, uh, defended like crazy. And, and so I, I was, um, it, that was a, a true team effort and, uh, Sunday soccer games, especially mm-hmm. with back-to-back games are, are, are tough to win. And so, you know, any points in, in uh, in, in that aspect of those games, you know, Sunday soccer games are just always a little bit more ugly. But um, yeah, that that one was awesome. That one, that one, uh, that one was a was a good win for us. Well, besides the Colby match, arguably one of your better matches you played was actually a loss, number twenty nationally ranked Amherst three to two. I mean, that really showed you can play with uh, one of the better teams in the country, right? Yeah, and that was. Um, that, that was the debrief from our players. I mean, as a coaching staff, we really didn't say much at the end of the game because the players said it all. You know, it, um, the, the hardest part in this conference is to really – is to keep your confidence going because it, every team is so good. Um, and it, um, we just beat each other up so much. And uh, that was, a, that was a, I think, a big turning point for us because our players felt like they belonged. And we were that close. And – uh, and again, another Sunday soccer game that was kind of a rough and tumble and ugly one. And um, our group was super resilient. We just kept kind of clawing and fighting back. And, um, you know, honestly, if we had another five seconds, I think Izzy actually scores a goal to, mm-hmm. to tie that game. You know, so we were, you know, just we, we just ran out of uh, a time in that. And so that one we were really happy with uh, just the the resiliency that our group showed. And we talked about how it's a young team. It was actually a non-conference match. I was at uh, Russell Street Field against Thomas College, where I think like four or five people scored their first <laughs> collegiate goals. That must have been an awesome one. Right? Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, you know, a lot of them were sophomores, so yeah. uh, in, in that part of things. And, um, you know, that, that game was, was a good little boost for us to, to close out the, the rest of, uh, of the season pretty tight in that. So... Um, but yeah, we, we, we scored goals from a lot of different places. And, and so sometimes that's a, a really good thing where you can do it by committee. Um, and, uh, I think that was a, that was a good thing. So we, we did have a lot of sophomores and, and I think maybe even one junior, um, in there that, that scored their first, uh, collegiate goal. And we had a couple others too, that, that did it in some other games. And, and so we're, we're, we're happy that, um, you know, we, we were able to, to really develop and, and take some positive steps this year. And one of the headliners on the team this year was Elizabeth Patrick. Um, she started off uh, and she finished strong as well on guard salon with some rockets from deep. I mean, she's not afraid to shoot anywhere. She? <laughs> no, she, there's not a shot that she doesn't, uh, she doesn't like uh, in that sense. And um, that even, even before we start training, she's like the first one out there smacking balls. And um, so yeah, she she had a flair for for scoring goals on Garcelon this year. I mean, she she started the year with a couple of goals there, finished the year with with a goal there and Gars. And so, um, 
but uh, that the junior class is um, really um, we're excited about them and, and the development that we have, and, and, and frankly, with all of our classes, we, we've been really young, and so um, so. But uh, we the the leadership um, in development out of our group throughout this whole fall, we, we've been super happy with. What's the offseason going to look like from your perspective? Um, I know they've adjusted some rules about working with players. Don't know how it applies to fall sports, though. Yeah, so we're, we're hoping that, uh, you know, the NESCAC follows suit with uh, what they did with the spring sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so being able to do a, a non-traditional season, get 15, 16 practices in with our group will, will be huge. Um, you know, it's big in the Bates culture here that juniors go abroad. Uh, so, you know, a good majority of our juniors will be abroad that second semester. And um, and so, you know, that that obviously brings some some challenges, but it also brings uh, some opportunity. So it really gives us an opportunity to work with the leadership of our younger players, our sophomores in our first years. And, um, you know, so, you know, we're, we're fingers, fingers crossed that, uh, you know, the, the NESCAC presidents say uh, we get a green light there for, for that offseason because I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it'll be really important for us. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on this past season we haven't got to talk about? Uh, well, first, Aaron, I wanted to just say thanks for everything that you do and uh, and BCO. And um, we just talked a, a lot this year as, as a group with just that process and, and just developing and, and going from there. And uh, we, we've been really happy with the, the process that we have. And, you know, we do graduate four good players, um, you know, and um, but we're we're obviously looking forward uh, to the future where, you know, we 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 were close in a lot of NESCAT games and. Um, so we're hoping that we can just keep kind of closing that gap. Congrats are due to men's soccer senior captain Owen Kelleher and field hockey senior captain Riley Burns on earning second team all NASCAC honors for their performances this year. We'll recap their seasons along with full coverage of the NCAA cross country championships, the first official swim meet of the year, and much more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates. Bates.